0: How's everybody doing? All right, all right. Welcome back to Uncle Scotchy's Storytelling Extravaganza, ladies and gentlemen, Uncle Scotchy. And uh, happy to have you guys here. I'm really stoked on this week. I think it's gonna be a really good one. We got a couple return storytellers coming up and we got a brand new one. And I'm gonna tell a new one, so it should be fun. Um, if you guys aren't familiar with what's going on right now and you're just hanging out in a bar, uh, we've been doing this every Wednesday for about a year. Uh, people come up and tell their stories and um, take little breaks in between but some of these stories are very difficult to tell so if you guys are talking to each other telling each other story please try to keep it down to a minimum during their story Um, believe it or not you can pretty much hear everything up here and um, and we take nice breaks in between so um, and also the outside is technically closed for renovations but uh, Ben has been nice enough to allow me to do little Scotty Chaperone Sessions, so we're going to go out and be able to hang out out there between the stories. But when it's time to start again, I just ask that you come in with me. So uh, that was exciting. Anyway, uh, thanks to Breckenridge Bourbon for being our sponsor. And if you guys are hungry at all, or not even hungry, but thinking about being hungry, the cheese stands alone is amazing. So uh, give that a shot. I was on this guy's podcast the other day, and he told a story. He told one of the first stories uh, a long time ago. Uh, it's on the trailer on the website. And by the way, if you guys go to UncleScotchy.com, uh, this is going to be, I think, the 40th or 41st one week that it's been recorded in a row. So check that out. So yeah, 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 yeah. We've been working it, navigating it, keeping it socially distant, socially, yeah. and uh, but we've all been good. We've been careful enough. So uh, let's bring up my boy, John Everyman. Come on up, man. Tell a story. Tell us a story. There's John Everyman.
1: Yeah, man. All right. How's everybody doing tonight, huh? I'm excited, man. I got my storytelling hat on. Look at this shit. I'll tell you all a story. Man, you know, before I came up here, like Scotty said, I've been here a couple times before. And I didn't know what to go with. I said, "Man, I got so many stories." I said, "What should I do? Should I tell stories of my prank days or my violent stories?" So I had a debate. And tonight y'all going to get a bunch of violent stories. Yeah. So uh, I'm born and raised here in Miami. I was raised a lot out here in these streets right here in Little Havana. This side is west side. I'm east side of Little Havana. It's a big difference. The level of hardness got harder on the east. Shit was not to be fucked with. I've been living out here, or I lived out here in the mid-'80s all the way to about, I'd say, early 2000s or mid-2000s, so... I have a good experience of living out here. And one of the things growing up out here is very important that it's survival of the fittest. You cannot be soft on any level, all right? I don't know how many times I would get into fights and shit and I would hear a motherfucker in the background talking about, don't be soft, bitch, fuck him up. And I look back and be like, calm down, mom. That's a true fucking story. I missed dinner on one of those nights. Learned my lesson fast. But uh, having to do that, man, I had to learn to defend myself out there. You do not fuck around out there. And whenever I wasn't living out there, I was with my grandmother down in fucking West Kendall. That was gangster-centric all the way. It was really fucking weird. There was suburbial gangster and urban gangster. I was living on both sides and shit. But um, I learned a lot, though. You know, I never got soft. Actually, I ended up becoming very temperamental through all that shit. I sometimes have a short fuse. Some people don't believe that shit now because I tell jokes and shit. You feel me? I tell jokes now. So I want to say it's been about maybe even like 10 years that I've been on some chill shit. You know, I feel like comedy kind of saved me and gave me a little more positivity. I think the last thing I might have done was uh, let me see, I threatened a building official in City Hall, and I was willing to fight an officer from Hialeah. They never showed up, but I was waiting. But, you know, I've been cool, man. I've learned to calm down and shit. But, uh, I'm gonna tell y'all a couple things of what I would do, though. You know, for example, I remember one time, me and my homie were driving and shit, and we would love to fucking get high as fuck and hotbox the car on a Saturday. My homie had a Chevy Cavalier. Shout out to my homie Rouse style. I can't give out his real name. I know how he is. But uh, we would do this every Saturday, man. We get high as fuck. But every now and then, I like to bring a couple drinks in the car, you know. Get my little whiskey in there right now, you know. Shout out to the bartenders out here, by the way. Fuck with them. Fuck with them. They got the real shit. But, um, you know, I'm drinking and shit. My boy, we smoking. We coming down Corway and shit. And this van all of a sudden stopped short on us. We almost rear end that bitch. If we would have, it would have been a fucked-up moment. Would have ruined our Saturday. But the reason that van stopped short is because some guy had kind of jumped in front of the van across the street. Fucking dick. So we start pushing over. And uh, I see the dude standing right here. We were about to pass him. I had my drink in my hand, and it was filled with whiskey. So I said, fuck it. Psh, just threw the glass into the motherfucker's face and kept going. I do not know what happened. But you should have never jumped in front of the street. You probably wouldn't catch a glass to your face with alcohol. Ruined my night because now I ain't had nothing to pour in. I was like, fuck it. Another time, I had a dude, Right? I'm hanging out, I'm kind of bummed out. I hadn't seen my son in about a year, you know, baby mama drama shit. And I was ducking for child support. But, you know, I felt sad and shit, right? So I'm hanging out, I'm outside the balcony of my homie's house, you know, because where I lived in Little Havana, it was my mom and I had a neighbor right next to us, a wall separators us. Um, ironically, his mom and my mom became good friends. Me and him became best friends. His sister and my sister became best friends, and it was fucking nuts. We were like a family, man. And I, and I always was more in his house, you know, especially a little older. We were getting high as fucking his house. My mom won't go to let me do it, but his mom was cool. So, uh, this one time I come outside, I'm hanging out, I'm smoking a cigarette, and uh, there's this dude, we call him like the village idiot of the neighborhood and shit. He comes crossing the street. And uh, dude start coming, and he starts screaming, "Galba, Galba!" And I could hear it, but I wasn't looking at him. I'm smoking my cigarette, man. But I just go downstairs real nice and casual, and uh, I take him. He's about a little heavier but a little shorter. I took him, and I treated him like a little rag doll, and I just slammed him on every car that I saw in the parking lot, threw him back into the parking lot, and uh, I was smoking my cigarette during the whole process. I wasn't going to put my cigarette out. Fuck that shit. I'm just going to fuck you up while I smoke. So, as soon as I'm done, I throw him on the floor and shit, and I said, there goes my cigarette. I'm done. And I just turned it off in his eye. Yeah, I know. I'm telling you, I ain't done nothing in a while. I'm cool. I'm temperamental back then. Now it's chill. But... You know, and mind you, let me, let me let y'all know, some of these people have tried to kill me. They've all tried to bring weapons afterwards. I get it. You're pissed. But they ain't do nothing. So, you know, these are just some of the examples, right? I've done worse. I've hung a dude over a balcony. I've made people cry. I think I was one time in fifth grade and made an eighth grader freak out where his assistant principal had to call my school to chill out. I wasn't right in the head. But it's this one story that really just sticks to me and reminds me that violence ain't never the answer. You feel me? Anger ain't never the answer. You you know, you got to learn to check yourself, man. You know, shit happens. We don't give a fuck. Motherfucker cut us off on the road out here like every fucking day, every two minutes without a fucking blinker. Yeah, you're pissed for two minutes. But you give no fuck after five. You know what I mean? So, you know, I've learned that. But this one story kind of reminds me of how I needed to check myself, right? So, like I said, I hung out with my homeboy, Ralph Stout, and his girl, Sue. shout Shout out to his wife, Sue. You feel me? And, uh... We would always hang out, like I said, next door at his mom's house, right? Because he lived with his mom. We're probably in our mid-20s right now, you know, at this point in the story. And um, his sister lives there. The boyfriend lives there. It's, they got, you know, they shit's a little more hooded than mine. You know, it was just me my mom and my sister next door. <laughs> but whatever. So we in there, and we smoked. Like I said, we smoked all the time. Now, we smoked about, I don't know, about half an ounce a day. Okay, we ran through like six blunts at home. I ran through another five at work. So you know what I mean? Ran through two two 12-packs. I don't exaggerate these things, people. Look at my size, you feel me? Two Big Macs come in here with no problem. I just might have pound like fucking four drinks before I even touch this mic, and I still need like I need more. You feel me? So we pound this shit, like, on a regular basis. But some nights we were on a budget. You know, motherfuckers ain't got it. And this is back in, like I said, early 2000s and shit. Dope dealers are a pain in the ass to deal with, okay? And we had some of them pain in the asses where you go and you pull up and it was a fucking four-hour wait for him to show up because he's still coming around the corner. I don't know how many drug dealers come around the corner for four hours and shit here in Miami. Those corners are long as fuck. But, um, you know, it was one of those nights, you know, we we got home from work. We on a budget this week. You know, we ain't had a chance to kind of replenish the supplies, so we stretching what we got. Show up to my homeboy's house. I kept my stash at my homeboy's house because it made no sense to be next door. I was barely home. I go into my homie's house, show up. Him and his girl both got crazy looks on their faces like they distraught. You know, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? They go, we can't find the weed. Now, I'm freaking the fuck out, okay? Because, you know, when you get home from work and you ain't barely got no money, all you want to do is fucking get high and you can't find the weed, someone stole your baby. That's how that shit go. If we people could put Amber Alerts for a missing weed sack, we would do it in a heartbeat, all right? Put little fucking microchips in the weed bags if we could. But... It's one of these moments we're looking for the weed, man. We tear, they tearing up the house. They're going upstairs, downstairs, kitchen, bathrooms. They're looking under couches, nothing. The weed isn't showing up. And we're going well over into an hour of checking. Kind of even went outside said, hey, y'all, y'all throw out the trash today? And they were like, maybe. And we were like, fuck, so kind of go check out the trash bin. I'm like, man, I ain't jumping in there, but fuck, I'm tempted right now. That's how bad this shit is. But we didn't. So we start thinking and thinking some more, and we said, Wait a minute, your sister and her man be here. Where the fuck are they? Oh, I don't know. Her man was here earlier. So, you know, we already desperate. Our minds are going there. We're like, Yo, this motherfucker took it because dude was already sketchy. All right, buddy liked to take shit as is. His sister wasn't dating the cream of the fucking crop. This motherfucker lived in their house. All right. And, um, sure enough, about a few minutes come in, buddy shows up, right, so I said, man, I need to talk to you, bro, I need you to come outside with me, he's like, okay, so I go out there, and I start telling them, I said, my homie and them, they would have stopped me normally, but they were so fucking frustrated themselves, they said, fuck it, do what you gotta do, so I say, hey, man, come outside with me, I said, let's go to the back of the building. Now, if anyone ever invites you to the back of the building of anything, nothing good is going on. Promise you that. I don't know how the fuck he didn't figure that out. So I tell him, hey, come to the back of the building, bro. I say, look, man, we can't find our weed. Bro, we've been looking for hours. Fucking Sue looked. My homie looked. I looked. Man, we can't find the fucking weed, bro. And I know you like to steal with your little klepto ass, bro. I said, where the fuck is my weed? He's like, oh, man, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, bro, because you're like one of them little burnout skateboard kids. He was like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, bro. Fucking, dude, I, I, didn't, I, don't, I don't know. Where, what, what does it look like? I said, bro, don't fuck with me right now. I said, you do not want to fuck with me. I'm pretty sober. It's been well over four fucking hours, and I ain't going to get no more weed for the rest of the night. Something going to happen right now. Where the fuck is my weed? So he's still like, oh, dude, but I said, you know what? Fuck the bullshit. I said, empty out your goddamn pockets right now. So he's like, oh, but what? He's like, what? I I ain't asked you twice, bro. I said, take that shit off. So he goes, and I said, I want rabbit ears, motherfucker. That's what I fucking said. So he goes and he pulls out pockets rabbit ear style. I said, flip out the goddamn back pockets. He's like, bro, now he's starting to freak out because he sees I ain't letting it up. He's like, but dude, I, I didn't take nothing, man. I promise, bro. I mean... Bro, I I don't know where it is, man. I I, I don't know where you guys put it, man. Don't you guys leave it in the basket? I said, how the fuck you knew it was in the basket? So I'm really starting to lose it now. I'm like, you know what, man? Fuck this shit. I said, patch yourself like this. He said, look, bro. I said, start jumping up and down. He's like, ah, now. I'm really getting mad, but we're getting nowhere, and I still don't feel like I believe him. So I said, hey, you know what, bro? Take off your fucking pants right now. He's like, what? Come on dude. I said, "Yo, homie, I'm about to fuck you the fuck up right now, bro. I'm on, I'm only holding back because you dating my fucking best friend. That's my little fucking sister right there and you dating her. So I ain't trying to fuck you up on no bullshit." I said, "Bro, take off your pants right now." So he starts to cry. And he pulls his pants down. My man is in his boxers. Now mind you, We're outside in the parking lot off to the side of the building. We're still fronting the main street. City of Miami police slowly rolls up like that. Sees this man with his pants down, me standing there like I'm about to kill him. City of Miami kept rolling past by. That man thought he saw God in that moment and he was going to save him. I was like, nah, player, devil's got this shit all in control right now. Police kept going. He really started to freak the fuck out. That was his last chance of hope. So he's like, bro, please. I got my pants down, I don't have nothing, man. Please, dude. I'm like, you know what? Jump in that fucking trash can right now. Jump in that fucking trash can and find my fucking weed, motherfucker. And he's getting ready to go over there. And he's got like leg up, ready to jump in a dumpster. I wasn't gonna help him. His ass and his fucking jaws was gonna do it. I swear to God, that's how I felt in the moment. I did no fucks. All of a sudden, I want to say it was my homegirl Sue comes because we're on the second floor, so she comes up from the balcony looking off to the side. She's like, John, 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 John. I'm like, what? She goes, we found it. (laughs) Now, mind you, when she says that, I got him coming up trash, so I look like this. I said, the fuck you talking about? She goes, we found it. (laughs) My bad, player. Damn, woo, close call, huh? Woohoo, you was gonna go in the trash. <laughs> I was gonna kill you too. <laughs> I said, Oh my God, I'm so sorry, bro. I said, You know what, man, tell you what, man, pull your pants back up, come inside. We're gonna roll a big fat blunt. I'm gonna let you get first hit. <laughs> <laughs> he pulls his pants back up and he's wiping his tears filled with fucking relief and he starts smiling he's like thanks dude I really appreciate it so he starts coming up with me and shit and what makes it even worse is that the kid's name is Jesus <laughs> ain't nothing worse than making Jesus want to pull his pants down and jump in the trash but uh, yeah man so I let homie up there man we smoked, we chilled you know, for me, it was all forgotten. I'm gonna be honest, the dude never talked to me after that. I think I saw him one time at a gas station. You know, it was just random and shit years later, and uh, so I said, what's up, man? What's going on? Hey, so he said, uh-uh, no me, and he just walked off and shit. But uh, that's it, man, that's the end of my story. All I say is I don't condone violence. Okay, make sure y'all peace and love, man. Don't do like I do. I got a short fuse, but I'm on a good streak right now. I haven't fucked no one up. I ain't kill nobody. Every now and then I start to translate it into more like my, my, I channel my inner Cuban shit and I scream a lot now. So, you know, that's about the extent of it. But listen, I love you guys. Y'all are beautiful. Uncle Scotchy wasn't lying, man. He is on my podcast, Everyman Podcast Show. All right, even some people coming up here tonight telling you another story. They've been on my show. They my co hosts and shit. You know what I mean? So make sure you check us all out and check out this podcast right here, Uncle Scotchy's Storytelling Extravaganza. Shout out to Bar Nancy. These guys are fucking awesome, man. They got all types of crazy shows out here and shit. Y'all got to come out here more often. Support this shit, man, for real. I love y'all, man. Have a good night. Peace out.
0: Get it for John Everyman, ladies and gentlemen. Get it for John Everyman. That was a little story started us off. Sophia's coming up next, she's gonna tell the same story. That was kind of awkward that she's gonna have to tell the same exact story. When people come up to me and they wanna tell a story, and uh, I just tell them basically the rules. You have to be true, have to be about you. And I don't ask what it's about. If you get the balls to come up and follow the rules, then you come up and do it. So it's really cool when somebody hits you up that you don't know and you don't know what the hell they're gonna say and there's a lot of surprises, so it's really cool. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, get up for the great Sophia Boniza, ladies and gentlemen, telling a story.
2: Hi, everybody. I feel like we are all witnesses to uh, someone who killed somebody recently. Seriously, I, I felt like I was on jury duty. I'm just like, this motherfucker's going to jail tonight. The cigarette in the eye. Did y'all hear that? Anyways, good luck out there. <laughs> Hi everybody. Thank you for having me. I okay. Yeah, validation. Just keep it coming. Thank, yeah, you know what? Just come on. Just. A little harder, yeah, okay, okay, are we, okay, wow, this feels great, thank you for having me, uh, Scotch- is it Scotchy? I don't even know this guy's name, I was just like, I need to tell the story. Um, okay, uh, today I am celebrating my one-month breakup anniversary. I, I said breakup anniversary. he asked her, I just... Okay, I'll explain. That's great. Um, okay, so definition time. Um, wow, wasn't expecting that. Uh, okay, breakup anniversary. M- one month. Of- okay, you get it? Great. I, these are my assistants. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. I'll tell you about my next show. Um, so yeah, today's my breakup anniversary. Um... I was with this guy for a beautiful guy. What a good face. Uh, primitively, I was just like, oh, he's probably a really good person too. You know, I think that's how it works. So I was with him for a week short of a year. And I ended up going to this bar. I ended up meeting the woman that he had been fucking. Um, I brought it up to him afterwards. And he admitted about other women. And my first thought was like, how do you have that much energy? Like I introduce myself to two people and I have to sleep for 3 days. <laughs> Anyways, um so yeah, I was like, man, I should have known better to trust someone, to not trust someone who wore pearls, you know? He was that kind of guy. You know, it's like he wanted to be the only bad bitch in the relationship. <laughs> Anyways, so um he, you know, in this grieving process, uh, I started taking shrooms. Anybody? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And it's a beautiful healing medicine, really. And, um, you know, something about shrooms, the guy who wooed, I'm sure you understand, uh, it makes you have to change your perspective, you know, like you have, you have no other choice, really. And so I realized, I'm like, man, I've been, I've been choosing my men wrong, I've been doing it from the top to the bottom. It's like they have a good face, great, let's just have kids or something. And then I took shrooms and I was like, I need to start judging from the bottom up. If I don't like their shoes, I shouldn't look at their face. Thank you. Seriously, because like your shoes are telling me your current life circumstances, you know? It's like, okay, I'm gonna get into the story, but I just wanna tell y'all some of the research I've uh, found. Um, <laughs> okay, so first person, or just random person, the man who wears Jordans. The man who wears Jordans probably still lives with his mom. Oh Accurate, right? Cause it's like Jordans or rent. You, you, can't, you can't do both. Um, in East Hialeah, I see a lot, or no, you said little, whatever, it's my story. Um... (laughs) In uh, East Hialeah, I've seen a lot of, like, socks with slides. I feel like a guy who wears socks with slides, they're like a comfortable drug dealer. And like, they don't live with, he doesn't live with his mom, but he lives with a mom. Right? Like maybe his girl's mom. Maybe his boy's mom. Maybe his mom's mom. Who do you live with? It's a joke, forget it. (laughs) You don't live by yourself. No, you don't. I don't believe you. He's hiding um, at Bar Nancy tonight. I won't tell anybody. Everyone knows, actually, we will try to bail you out. We're gonna start a GoFundMe. (laughs) Okay. um, Anyways, uh, grieving, blah, blah, blah. So, I find out about this girl. And uh, the next day, uh, after all the shrooming and stuff, I was like, yep. Um, I was like, okay, I need to go get tested. I need to get COVID tested. I need to get STD tested. I need to get pregnancy tested. So I went and did that. And then I went to the dollar store for the pregnancy test. And I got five because you can't trust the first four from the dollar store. And once I leave the dollar store, there was a Little Caesars across the street. So I was just like, let's get it, you know. And I go to Little Caesars. Also, the story has started. Um, So I walk into Little Caesars. And you know when you're, like, really sad? You can always tell when the other, like, just a stranger is sad. So I see, I make eye contact with the cashier. And uh, she was sad. So I asked her, how are you? And she looks at me and she goes, "Eh, I'm okay. How are you? I said, I'm not too good, but can I get a regular pepperoni pizza, please? And she goes, why? I said, I'm just, whatever. Can I also get a cup? And she goes, we don't have cups. I said, can I get a container? She goes, why do you need a container? I said, I'm about to take a pregnancy test in the car. She goes, damn. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll hold on, but why? I'm like, you're nosy. Um, my best friend cheated on me with, with a couple women. She goes, "Damn!" She walks to the back to go grab my container, and she's taking like a second too long, so I kind of just like look to the side, and this bitch is telling her coworker, like... she's like, bruh, he's up with like 20 bitches." And I'm like, does she know something that I don't? Like 20, were you one of them? So she comes back and as she comes back, I see tears in her eyes. I'm like, why are you crying? And she goes, your story, man, I just, I feel so bad for you. And I'm like, okay, like, you don't have to cry. You're gonna make me cry, just just don't. She goes, man, fuck COVID, give me a hug. I said, <laughs> I said, I think it's still kind of real. Um, she grabs me, pulls me in, and she gave me one of those kind of hugs that you kind of just like sink into it, you know. I rested my head on her shoulder and I closed my eyes. And it felt like two minutes, it was probably six seconds. And I started fluttering my eyes open. And her coworker is two feet in front of me. And he goes, If you need a Instinctively, I winked. I didn't mean to. Um, (laughs) Closed my eyes again. I got off. Well, I did the tap-tap. She didn't really receive the message. Um, Anyways, had to push her off. And I said, how long is it gonna take? I'm gonna go take the test. She goes like, 10 minutes, I got you. I said, what do you got me with now? She goes, your pizza. I'm gonna put all the pepperonis on it. I said, okay. Don't put too much, I don't know. Anyways, I'll be back. So I go to my car, and I open up all the pregnancy tests, five of them, lay them out on my dashboard. Uh, I pee in the cup. I get the little dipper. I know, uh, you have you taken a pregnancy test before? All of us. Okay. So you feel me. Um, so I get the little dipper, and you have to put like three droplets in each stick. Uh, then you have to wait three minutes. So I put an alarm on my phone, and I close my eyes. And I started praying, and I'm like, please, God, don't let this fuck boy with the pearls beat the baby dad. <laughs> Just come on, come on. Alarm goes off. I check the first stick, negative. Second stick, negative. Third, fourth, fifth, negative. Ain't no baby going to be in this. Anyways. Um, And I was like, oh, the anti-fuck boy gods got my back. Let's go. Okay, so anyways, I get out of the car. The 10 minutes pass, and I go back in. And now there's, like, a little line. And the cashier looks at me, rubs her belly, and she goes, yes or no. Everyone in the line <laughs> looks back at me, and I'm just like... Y'all nosy. Um, I'll tell you in two minutes. So whatever. They leave the line. But they also like stay in the store. I didn't fully understand it. But I also did, because I'm like, I probably would stay in the store too. I want to know what's going to happen. So anyways, I go to the cashier. And she goes, so? I said, negative. She goes, yes, bitch. I said, yes, bitch. Um, And then I get my pizza, and I just thank her. I'm like, thank you a lot for the hug. I needed that. She's like, yeah, girl, we out here. I said, "Okay." Um, She goes, by the way, did you get STD tested? I said, hell yeah. She goes, do you know the results? I said, not yet. It takes like three to five days. She goes, either way, you're good. I said, I don't know if that's how STDs work. Then she goes, nah, for real, like, I got chlamydia, and you don't feel anything. She goes, matter of fact, I'm about to go fuck after work. I said, you should probably wear a condom. She goes, nah, I hate condoms. I said, that makes sense. (laughs) That makes sense for you, okay. I said, well, thank you again. I'm going to go enjoy this pizza and I'll just see you when I see you. She goes, okay, girl, bye. I said, I'm just going to look in the back really quick. So I look in the back and I go, hey. He goes, yeah. I said, what kind of shoes are you wearing? (laughs) He said, uh, non-slip. I said... He's so sexy. <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> and honestly, I, I think I'm gonna go back. Cause like a guy who wears non-slip, like he cares about his life, <laughs> right? Like he just wants to protect himself and his family and our kids. And I just, anyways, that's my story. Um, but I do wanna, hold on, don't clap yet. Um, I do want to give you all an update on the fuck boy. Um, we, again, today's a month, like a week ago, he texts me and he goes, hey, can we talk this week? I said, what do you want to talk about? Is everything okay? He said, yeah, everything's okay. I want to talk about us, the possibility of us. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And I look at the phone and I go, Ha-ha. I'm not interested in that at all. Take care. Good night. And that's it. Thank you. And, you know, I share that update because three weeks prior, and really this whole year, I was so emotionally attached to this person. Again, what a beautiful face. Like, God, oh, oh, my God. And, like, the sex was great and all that, but I'm telling you, like, none of that is worth it if someone is not treating you right, and if someone is deceiving you, like, for what? You know? Like... So I just, I'm happy for myself and I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of who I'm becoming. And this, this shit, this storytelling shit, it's a, I don't know, it's just, it's so healing. I feel so good. And I think I'm just gonna stay here while the next person is telling their story because I just, anyways, what I'm trying to say is thank you for listening to me. Thank you for healing with me and we're all hurting in some way. So I really hope that you all create something with your pain, because I did. And it feels really good. Thank you.
0: Give it up for Sophia, ladies and gentlemen. See, that's what's cool. See, I told you, I don't ask shit. I didn't know she was good. And she was real good. Give it up for her again, ladies and gentlemen. When I put it on the podcast is uh, Pearls are the New Red Flag, is definitely what I'm going to call this story. By the way, you like pumas? Oh, oh. I'm going to get some green ones, too. Anyway, thanks for John Deverman and Sophia for telling them stories earlier. That was really cool, ladies and gentlemen. Give it up for them one more time, please. It's funny, I haven't told a new one in a while. It's, uh, I'm a little bit nervous, so I've been working on this one. This has been kind of bringing me up to, to, to where things are now. So. so here we go. I'm an only child. And uh, I always hate the stereotype that people, when you tell them you're an only child, they're like, oh, you're spoiled, you're self-centered. And I'm just like, they're basically saying you're an asshole when you say you're an only child. And uh, I think my folks tried to get in front of that when they decided to have only one kid. And uh, they made sure I wasn't coddled. They made sure I was independent at a very, very early age. And uh, when I was in elementary school, I went to a different school outside of my district. And I used to take the city bus by myself to that school, which I don't think is... Even like legal or anything anymore right now, but I used to do that and um, but I was fine with it, and it was cool and and I used to have to learn how to be alone and because my folks worked a lot and and I really got to love being alone. I got to love loneliness, I thought loneliness was really underrated when people would say that they had to be. Around somebody, and they, they were lonely. I—I kind of thought that that was a little bit of a—I looked down on them. I thought that they were weak, because I liked being alone. It was the coolest fucking thing in the world. I just hang out by myself, and and I didn't know TV or anything. I was just hang out myself. Like I was talking about with Sophia. You just do your thing. You come up with your own in your own mind, and um, either by myself or with my pets. And now we always had dogs or cats, and. When I was a baby, when I was an infant, there's a picture I can't even find. There's a picture, though, I always remember of me on my baby blanket with our dogs at the time, Goldie and Bear, shepherd mixes on either side of me, like protecting the people puppy. You know, I was there and I've just always had dogs around me, it was great. And later on, uh, my dad adopted uh, this, this husky from some guy that, wanted to bring it to the pound because it was too wild, and they brought it to the house, and I loved that dog. Oh, it was Sugar. I loved Sugar. And Sugar was a shit. I used to run around and play with her, and, yeah, Sugar, we used to, like, wrestle and everything. But the one thing about Sugar was she's a husky, so she's a runner. And coming in and out of the house, if there's a spot, she's going to run. It's going to be hard to catch her because uh, it would take forever. And I always swore that when I got older, I'll get a dog one day, and I will teach it to stick with me. So millions of dogs and cats later, uh, I'm in my 20s and I moved to San Diego and I'm there and I have a, uh, I got a pickup truck. And everybody that has a pickup truck or has had a pickup truck knows that when you have a pickup truck, you're the first person anybody remotely know calls to fucking move. (laughs) So my buddy Chad, his girlfriend, uh, Margie, she was moving. And I agreed to help her move. So uh, uh, she had this red pit bull named Ruby. And Ruby was, everybody was scared of Ruby. She was just badass. She would do shit like she would kill a skunk, eat it, vomit it, and go about her day. That was like <laughs> Ruby's day. And Ruby had puppies. And Margie was trying to get everybody to take them damn puppies. Um, and she's bothering me all the time. I'm like, Margie, I don't have time for puppies. It's the first time I don't have time really for a dog or in my life. So I went to help her move and I go and this whole like herd of puppies comes out of this one room and they're running to the other, and except for one that hit my foot and fell down. And I picked him up and I look at him. He was black and white and he had a little pot belly and he's looking at me. And he's whimpering. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> I got a dog now. And I called him Ali. He I had a Muslim dog. I let him choose his own religion. That was, that was his thing. He's my first son, so I let him do that. So Ali was one of those dogs. He was like a magical dog. He was one of those dogs that other dog owners just were jealous of because him and I were just crazy connected. And we found out early who his dad was. It was Duke, the big Irish wolfhound that lived next door. And luckily, he took on a lot of Duke's uh, tendencies and Ali went everywhere I went, and he didn't need a fucking leash. And I said, so I in Ocean Beach in San Diego. And I would go, I'd get on my skateboard to go to Apple Tree, the, the grocery store. And he'd go running with me, or either that, or I'd just put him in the harness. And he'd take me, because he knew the way. And we'd go all the way there. He didn't need a damn leash. And he would just sit outside. And people would pet well, A lot of people didn't want to pet him, because he looked scary as fuck. He's like, okay, a pit bull Irish wolf found. He looked like a 100-pound Wookie, you know, with... <laughs> He looked like a Wookiee, like wiry hair. But people tried to pet him. He's like, or another dog come around, cat, didn't care, waiting for Eric, and I'd come out, and he'd be all happy. And, um, and we'd, let's go, buddy. And we'd go home, and he was the best. Ali was the best. And um, so as per some of my other stories, my mom got diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and I had to move back to Miami. So road trip with Ali. We'd go back home, and he started getting really bad skin allergies. And he was scratching, and I didn't know what it was. I paid a lot of money to find out what exactly he was allergic to. And it turns out he was allergic to Florida, basically. Like, the pollen's in the air. And, uh, and the, the vet gave me prendasone, a steroid to give him, but just not as little as possible, because it's not good for him. And over time, I think it actually shortened his life. And when he was around 10 or 11, he started getting real bad seizures real bad, and he would piss himself, and he would have these seizures, and I couldn't stop it. And then for hours afterwards, he would look at me like he didn't know who I was. And it was horrible, and it was getting more and more and worse and worse, until the day that I just had to make the decision to take that drive, you know, the longest drive, as I call it. And uh, I took him to the vet to put him down, and he was laying on his stomach, with his chin on the ground, I laid in front of him. And the him the injection, I was looked into his eyes, and he whimpered a little bit like he did when he was a puppy, and then he was gone. And I fucking cried, oh my god. I cried more than I've ever cried in my life. My mom died earlier that same year of Alzheimer's, and I didn't cry at all. If anything, I was relieved, because that wasn't her anymore. I never cried like I did when Ali died, and I. They left, and I don't know how long I was in that room. It was a long time. I just lay there and I held him, and I cried. I cried. I cried. I laid on him and I cried, and then uh, that I I took him home, and I buried him in the yard. So needless to say, I didn't want another fucking dog ever again. By the way, this is Ali in, in doggy heaven right now. <laughs> Muslim dog. So I didn't want another dog ever. So fast forward to, I'm 50 now, and when I'm 47, a few years ago, I'm playing a gig, and I meet this little 22-year-old Dutch girl named Alexa, and we hit it off. And uh, Marcel was there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was there. And uh, we really hit it off, and she moved in like a week later, and... Uh, A couple months later, we're talking about marriage. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. And she had a cat. I had a cat. And she kept bothering me. She went, I want a dog. I've never had a dog. I've never had a dog. I'm like, baby, I told you, you know. She kept on. And then her dog or her cat got run over in the street in front of my house. And, like, my leverage was really kind of lost. I was just like, all right. We can get a dog. It's got to be a pit or a pit mix. And it's got to be a rescue, Okay. So we found this awesome rescue, it's called Bullies and Beyond Rescue. It's a South Florida thing. If anybody wants to get an awesome uh, bully breed, uh, hit me up. Cheers on Bullies and Beyond Rescue, ladies and gentlemen. And we found the most glorious dog, this little eighth month, orange, beautiful pit bull. We call him Ray Ray. And Ray was the shit. Uh, he had a lot, he had some issues he was I mean these dogs aren't coming from good environments he had a lot of fucked up shit happen to him and uh, he was scared of guys except for me uh, but he was the sweetest thing in the world and so we love Ray 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 got real big and strong and then finally she's just like I think Ray Ray needs a companion you know a girlfriend to keep him company I'm like Jesus Christ so I hit up yeah, I know now we have a family and uh so I hit up Maria from Bullies and Beyond. I'm like, if you ever have like a female around a year old that's cool with cats too, because I have this crazy ass cat. You know, fucking Maddie's crazy as fuck, crackhead cat and from a crack house. And uh, <laughs> seriously. And uh, it's almost like as soon as I press send, she sends me this picture of this cartoonishly cute little gray blue nose pit bull pup. I know, that's what I said. And, uh, and I'm like, what's her story? She sends me another picture of her when they got her right before the foster, and she had mange all over her body, and her head was split open, and they found her chained. They tied her to, when they found her, she was tied to the fence outside of a cemetery in North Miami in the fucking rain. I'm like, oh, god damn, everybody's been quitting on this little thing. I'll well, bring her over for a meetup. So they bring her over, and Ray was a low energy dog, super low energy. And she comes in, and she's, as my Jewish mother used to call her, a a fart in a skillet. She was, which doesn't make any sense, is a fart in a skillet. She was all over the place. Uh, She's running around saying hi to everybody. You met her. And uh, I have this, like, in my backyard, a, a pool that's been converted into a pond. First thing she does, she falls into the goddamn pond, and she's drowning. And I save her, of course. And I bring her up, and I look at her, and I go, God damn it. <laughs> Same thing. And so Alexa and I made a, a a pact that after two weeks we'll hold on to her and if we don't want to just keep her, then we give her back if both of us don't agree. And she was a handful and she was she was a lot. It took a lot to like get her going. Like I said, she came from a lot. So she was pooping everywhere and she was chewing up clothes and shoes. But to be honest, more specific, she would chew up my girlfriend's clothes and shoes, and she didn't touch my shit at all. <laughs> like, my shit was everywhere, and she would, like, put her shit away, and then we'd come home, and she'd chew up all the underwear and her flip-flops. She's like, God damn it, why always my shit? And why are you always laughing about it? I'm like, why is this not funny? That's fucking hilarious. She's a total daddy's girl, you know? So the two, the, the, the two weeks are over, and she's like, I want to give her back. I'm like, yeah, no. Yeah, no, it's not. She's like, why not? It's like, look, people have been giving up on this little girl her whole life. And I'm not going to quit on her. And plus, she loved everybody that she met. After every fucking thing that she's been through, she loved everybody that she met. That was her superpower in my mind, you know? And that's what I admired about her. So I'm like, yeah, she ain't going nowhere. So the meat of the story started on July 25th of 2019, uh, I've been taking care of my father. I took care, just to go back, I've been taking care of my mother since '02. She died of Alzheimer's in 2009, and then my dad's health been failing ever since then, wheelchair, all kinds of shit. My whole life was taking care of my folks. Uh, and he was doing real bad in his wheelchair. He had fallen down and hit his face, and he was black and blue and blown up. And I was at his house, and, and uh, Tuesdays were my long days with him. I'd be there from early in the morning, wake him up, bathe him, be there all day long. And um, I used to like to bring the dogs there because he had a big yard that was fenced in and they could play and carry on. So I was out there. I was working out and the dogs were playing. And I went to get some water. I came back out and Ray Ray, this big boy, he's on top of Casey. I'm like, what the fuck? And he's making these like primal grunt sounds i would never heard him make. And I look under and she's, under him and goddamn it i'm so fucking stupid he got his fang caught in her choker and he's choking her out he's he's getting frustrated and he's shaking around like a rag doll he's killing her and i look at her face and her mouth is open and her eyes are big and she's dying and i'm screaming i'm screaming at him and and he can't do anything about it and i get my hands in there and she, it wasn't her fault. Her, she chomps down on my left hand. And I feel her fangs go into my wrist. And my hand, deep. It burns. It's like searing, burning. And on the other side, Ray's crunching on my thumb. I still have like a piece of bone missing. And I'm not fucking letting go. That's it. And I finally get them apart. And, I mean, it was so bad. Her eyes, all the whites of her eyes turned red. She was almost gone. And I got them apart and they start kind of fighting and I break it up because now they had beef. And I break them up and I'm screaming and my hands are bleeding everywhere. And I try to tell my dad, my dad's like, what? he's watching TV, he's watching the fucking Marlins or something. <laughs> but that day, everything changed. There was a rift that happened. There was a rift between them, these two dogs that I adored with all my heart. And everything started getting fucked in my life. That following Tuesday, exactly the day I had to wake up my father was a day that I went there and he was dead. I found him in bed dead. He had committed suicide. He committed suicide he knew that I was gonna be waking him up that day. So he wanted to make sure that I found him. And that was obviously brutal. And I'm dealing with that as best I can because I'm the last one. I'm that only child. My mom went through that. My dad went through that. I've been taking care of everybody. About three weeks later, I get a text, a random text from somebody that I didn't know. And they're like, I'm really sorry to tell you this, Eric, but your girlfriend, Alexa, she's cheating on you with somebody at work. I'm like, what? And I had gotten her a job at Monty's where I play with my band because I knew the manager. And she denied it, of course, at first. But long story short, we broke it down. She's fucking this little Cuban bartender, uh, 20-year-old barback. Fuck a bartender. Don't fuck the barback. Jesus Christ. Come on, now. The barback? I'm fucking 50, bitch. Jesus Christ. That was an extra... I'm like... And I was just broke though. But I mean after that I'm like, Jesus Christ. And I started thinking, I'm like, all this time I was taking, you know, taking care, of, I was like, take care of my pop. And then she would she was taking more shifts and uh, she's working late and sometimes she'd be like, Oh, I'm gonna go at my girlfriend and sleep at her house and and before and then after, while I was grieving, all this shit was happening. It just broke me. Something inside me fucking died. And I felt old, and I felt ugly, and it was bad. And so obviously she had to leave, and I wanted to keep both dogs, but at this point, if we weren't watching them, they'd go at it. They had beef. That was the rift. So she was attached to Ray Ray. She took Ray Ray. I kept Casey. So that's when I started getting... What I didn't know about is anxiety, legit anxiety attacks. My heart would start beating out of my chest for no fucking reason. I thought I was gonna die. And to be honest, I didn't give a fuck I would die. Fuck me, it's all over. But I don't wanna leave Casey. She's all I had left. And I took care of her. And that's the one thing I've always had someone to take care of. That's my MO. My good friends know that what I know how to do is take care of the people that I love. And and I couldn't lose her, you know, and I was be scared I, if I left the house for a minute, I'm like, oh, shit, what if something happens to her? You know, I was, it, was, it was unreasonable shit. So, um, I started going to therapy. So just like, what else am I going to do? And my problem with therapy is this. You're paying somebody to talk to you. Basically, essentially you're paying somebody to care about you and listen to you, but you can't care or know about them. And that was my inherent problem. I can't open up completely to somebody that I can't care about them. I can't know about them or what's wrong with them because I need to care about them if they're gonna care about me. So that didn't work for me. So I basically just started putting pouring whiskey on everything. I started, and, and I drink a lot, that's fine. But I drank a lot then. And uh, the rest of that year, 2019, I had one big event to put on in the middle of December from this guy from ESPN. That was my focus. But other than that, I don't even remember the rest of the fucking year. Uh, My birthday's in November. I don't know what the fuck happened for my birthday. Gun to my head. I don't know what happened. Thanksgiving happened. I don't know. I know I didn't spend it with anybody. But that happened. The event happens in the middle of December. It goes off great. I pulled it off, awesome. Next thing I know, I got a couple bucks in my pocket. I'm looking at Christmas dead in the fucking eye. And this is the first time in my life I got nobody, no family, no significant other. And it was a new kind of loneliness that I need to learn. It wasn't the loneliness I fell in love with when I was a kid. It was a loneliness for people that weren't alive. Nobody on the earth, could have taken my loneliness away it was only people that weren't alive anymore and that was real hard for me to deal with and it fucking ate me up and i thought about checking out a lot during that time and if it wasn't for casey i definitely would have done it because i'd not give a fuck but casey was my casey's my girl space little space mountain yeah space mountain so January comes, and I got that whole kind of thing in my head, basically, Shawshank, get busy living or get busy dying. I quit drinking for a while. I'm like, fuck this. I got to get my shit together. I can't be living like this. So I get a job booking a a, a venue over at the Hard Rock, the, the guitar building, and I'm working. I'm fucking working out, doing my shit. I'm getting good. January happens. February happens. I'm doing all right. March happens. Spoiler alert, pandemic happens. Right around the same time, Casey blows out her knee, and I got a, a $3,000 knee surgery I gotta get her. And as I'm taking her in, literally the same day I'm taking her in, I get a call from the Hard Rock. They're like, yeah, you're laid off. I'm like, oh. So now I get her back. She's not allowed to run for eight weeks. I gotta stick with this dog. And the one good thing about the pandemic was I didn't have to be anywhere else, so I get to stick by her side for these whole eight weeks which is awesome, but now my anxiety that was based on fucking zero has real things to be scared about. It was a scary time. Fucking George Floyd, fucking Trump, what if that fucking asshole wins? Fucking what's going on, everything. The COVID, holy shit, everything's scary and I'm locked in this fucking place, sitting next to my dog. And then the main thing, I'm like, oh shit, everything I've done for money for the most part of my life is based on people congregating. My band, events, it's people congregating. And congregation business was super bad. And it was funny. I would laugh and tell my friends. Like, my biggest fear was being... You know how Trader Joe's always has that one, like, cool older guy working there? (laughs) Yeah. And he's, like, way too happy to be working there. He's, like, cool. He's got, like, tats and, like, shit and bracelets. And you're, like... you're always like, that guy's got stories. You know, you want to ask him a story, but you know he's not going to shut the fuck up, so you don't ask him shit. I'm like, God damn it, I don't want to be that Trader Joe's guy. (laughs) Fuck it, hell. That's my biggest nightmare, you know, stalking some weird frozen chicken fucking thing. (laughs) Casa Trader, some Mexican. What? Pick a fucking vibe. So... I'm sitting there on the floor in the kitchen. I remember the day. And I'm talking to a buddy of mine. He's a great musician from San Diego that I know. He's like, Eric, man, you should write a blues opera. I'm like, what's a blues opera? What the fuck is that? He's like, it's like a rock opera, like Tommy or Jesus Christ Superstar. You got a lot of fucked up shit happen to you. And you've written a lot of stories about it. Story, song, story, song. You should do that. I'm like, well, it seems a bit, Narcissistic to just go up there and start talking to people about my stories, and um, plus, who the fuck am I that everyone's? I'm not Neil Brennan that when people want to hear my one man show. And I talked to another friend of mine. He's, he's an actor and a casting director in L.A. He's like, Eric, man, you dumb shit. People just want to hear good stories. They just want to hear a good story. Just tell your stories. You got good stories. So I was horrified because I've been performing in front of people for over two decades, mostly as a front man. I've never said much more than tip your bartender and thanks for coming out. I gotta stand here and talk to people about shit that happened to me. That was scary. So I need to study on this. So I, um, I'm sitting there, I got nothing but time. It's the middle of the pandemic, like when everyone's scared to open their fucking doors or windows. People are delivering to the doors. I'm sitting there, so I started listening to The Moth. The Moth is a storytelling network that started in the 90s that I kind of based this whole night out of. And um, the, the premise is the same the stories have to be true and they have to be about you. But it's a little, it's like eight minutes or less, and it's kind of PC, like this next story may be a little crazy. No, 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 you know, that's I, I wanted my shit to be a little more racy for this. But I started listening to these stories and they were so good. They were fucking amazing. And in the beginning, I started listening to the stories that only had to do with shit that I felt I could relate with. Lost parents, lost whatever. And then I burned through those. And I started listening to all these other stories. And they were so good. And they are well told. I'm like, they're like songs, these stories. There's a pace to them. And there's a resolution, hopefully, to these, to these stories. And um, I realized it was also the exemplification of fucking equality in these stories what really brought me in. Because I would listen to these stories and it didn't matter if they're Latino, black, white, girl, guy, gay, straight. The styles were different, but the touching, the human points, the touching points were the same. I'm like, holy fuck, this is is a serious fucking thing. So I learned to tell these stories. So I start, I'm like, how am I gonna tell these stories? I need to write at least five stories about shit that's happened to me for this blues opera that I'm writing. So I came up with a thing. It's like a bubble chart I made. I'm sitting there in my house with nothing to do. There's the blues opera (laughs) in the middle. My ma, my dad, who the fuck am I, forgiveness, heartache, childhood, and all these other like death, that's a big one. and all these satellite stories and how they fucking connected to me. And everybody should really come up with their own stories. That, you know, if you work on your own stories and you do it right, you need to come up with this. And uh, it really helped me out a lot coming up with something like this. So I I started putting this together. This is like my fucking thing. I'm, I got nothing else to do. I'm putting these stories together. So I started practicing and practicing to my buddy in L.A. The, the casting guy, FaceTime. And when he wasn't available, I would tell my stories to Casey. And she was sitting there, and my little dog Casey would be looking at me, and she would get sleepy, and she'd fall asleep. And I would, don't lie, I would get kind of offended when she'd fall asleep. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't make any sense, but I'm like, bitch. (laughs) So then I'm like, okay, I need to find humans to tell this story to. And things are starting to open up around August of last year. And I'm good friends with the bar owner here, Ben and Sasha, the other bar owner. And, um... I'm like, hey, man, can I come like, workshop this shit? There's some shit I can do, like a, a storytelling night. And he's like, well, you know, it sounds socially distant. Things are kind of still weird. Just come in and do it. And I was so scared. And I started doing it, and people started showing up. And I was scared to tell my stories. And, but these other people would tell their stories, too, and I would listen to their stories, and it made me feel better. People I didn't know, people I never would have talked to before. I didn't think I would like a lot of these people. And I was like, wow, we got some shit in common, you know. Um, And then little by little, my anxiety started going away. I started having less attacks. And then a big turning point happened. The first time I told my mom's story about her Alzheimer's was before we did the podcast for the first time. I worked on it a lot. And every time I worked on it in my house, I would start breaking down. I couldn't get through the fucking story without trying. Uh, But I got through it in front of people till the very end. And everybody cried. Bartender on down. Everybody fucking cried. And I was like, oh, (laughs) this feels good. I think I like ripping people's hearts out. That's my thing now, you know. But seriously, but I thought about it more and, and... what it was was I've been carrying around all this pain since she died in 2009 and all the, the thing that I went through. Check out the podcast, find out what it is. Um, but for one second, all these people that cried, they got to the feel for a minute, they got to the taste just for fucking second what I've been carrying around all this time. And that made me feel better. And then I was a, I was a uh, pescatarian before that. Like I just ate fish and I would fuck around with cheese. And, but, uh pieces, well, piece is pizza, man, you know. But at that point, that's when I realized, that's when I turned vegan. I was just like, I can't digest any more suffering. Everything has to come out. I can't eat anything that fucking has suffered. I'm not putting any fucking thing else in my body that has fucking suffered. And my anxiety already getting so much better. And not only that, my loneliness, that Distinct loneliness that I had was better because not only was I telling stories about people that had died But I was working on the stories. and I was thinking about the stories I was doing my bubble chart and they were with me again and I felt better. I, I wasn't lonely for them. I was lonely like I used to which is cool So that's when I realized people joke around that this is therapy But this is therapy. I'm telling this story. I'm not paying you guys shit. You guys are here because you want to. You're listening to the story because you want to. And then when my friends tell stories, my new friends, my old friends tell stories, I listen to them just as intently because I want to hear them stories. And that's where the magic happens. That's the exchange. They care about my story like I care about their story. So, last thing I want to say basically is thank you for all being my therapists and listening to me, listening to me slowly fall back in love with my loneliness again, like I did when I was a kid. Thank you. I appreciate it. Steve Bass coming up next, ladies and gentlemen. I appreciate it. Let's have a drink and have a little fun. Thank you. How you guys doing? You guys good? Hey, thanks a lot for listening to all the stories so much. And uh, uh, that last one really, really felt good. So I really appreciate you guys hanging out. And, and, and for people that kind of want to put their own story together, come talk to me. I'll, I'll show you my little, little fucking bubble chart. We can talk about that shit. But uh, if you want to tell a story or if you know somebody who wants to tell a story, you know, come up to me. I'll, I'll work on it with you. And, and it's something that, you know, I'm not an expert at, but I've gotten better at and it, and it can can help you out too in a lot of ways so so hit me up about that uh thanks for bar nancy thanks for everybody who works here that for, for doing this tonight ladies and gentlemen thanks for our regulars who've been coming in and checking out the stories i appreciate you guys coming in all the time hanging in the back and listening to the stories that's right you i appreciate it i appreciate you guys a lot coming in um this guy told the story a long time ago, and I was on a podcast with him more, a little while ago, and I'm happy to have him back up, ladies and gentlemen. Get it for C-Bass, ladies and gentlemen. C-Bass Matar, ladies and gentlemen. Come on. Give me your attention.
3: I'm just trying to feel y'all out. Y'all doing good? Y'all feeling good? Tip your bartenders. Damn it. Alright, cool. Uh, before we get into my story, I just kind of got to get a feel for the room. Uh, we smokers. We got wee smokers in the house. I could have guessed you. I could have guessed you. I could have guessed you. Who else? Who else? You threw me for a loop. Relax. Relax. The guy next to you looks like he sells weed. So we got we we got weed smokers in the house. It's no secret. It's not though. I mean, I said it. I said it from today. Like I'm just I'm on a different. I'm mellow. You know, like you know what I'm saying. Like pot. Yeah. Mad love. Mad love. Yeah. Let's keep throwing some pothead shit out here. I don't know. Just Bob Marley. Yeah, yeah. Bob Marley. I said también. That's good. Uh, so my story is about um, y'all. Remember the first time you smoked weed? That shit's memorable, right? My shit was a whole story. That's what I was thinking about. I was like, "What story could I tell that I like?" I've said it so many times. And uh, smoking weed—the first time I ever smoked weed—this shit was a whole experience. Um, I'm I'm half Chileño and I'm half Cuban, so I'm 100% Latino. And like, dog, it like smoking weed is the devil in our family. Like that shit. My brother, my older brother smoked weed and they were like, oh my God, like, ah, we got to read the Bible and shit, you know, like, whatever. They, like, I get it. It happens, you know, but at the end of the day, I was 13 years old and I was curious as fuck. By, by the way, how old were y'all when you first smoked weed? Shout it out. 13, 12, 17, four. Jesus, Scotchy, goddamn. You smoke weed before you smoke, you drank? That's amazing, that's impressive. I was, I was, this, I'm, no lie, this is, I was 13 years old. I was 13 years old, first time I ever smoked weed. I had watched Half Baked. Anybody here seen Half Baked? Yeah, right. Fuck yeah, man, nothing. Bro, I didn't, I saw Half Baked two years before I first smoked weed. I wanted to smoke weed so bad, like that shit looks so cool. And, um, so my dad, right, my dad lived in Miami, and at this time, I'm 13 years old, I lived in uh, Houston, and I was visiting in my, like, I was visiting Miami for the summer, and this was my best friends were at, like, my best friend Jocelyn, Christian, Carlos, like, I grew up with these kids, like, we have pictures in each other's houses in Pampers, like, this is how old school, like, we're re- really brother and sister, if you, like, ask us, but, like, you know, like, we're best friends, so, it's summer, right, and I'm flying into Miami, and everybody's like, oh, shit, like, yo, c is back. You know, we're going to chill for sure. My dad's like, yo, I'm going to take, like, he's with my stepmom. He's like, we're going to go to the beach. All right, for sure. Like, if we, we pick up my best friends. Everybody, we're rolling out to the beach. We have a great time. And as we're coming back, uh, Jocelyn, uh, she's one day older than me. So she was born November 21st. I was born November 22nd. Christian her older brother is like three years older than us so like he was still a dumbass baby when we were born so like we all stupid in this thing you know like in Pampers and shit and then Carlos he's like three years older than us Oh no one year older than us so it was like this weird dynamic and we just kind of grew up all together and so we're like yo we went to the beach as we're coming back. You know, Chris, the oldest one, he was a little more rebellious, right? Like, he kind of looked like you. You look like you, you put your friends on weed, you know? Like, you look like you were the gateway guy. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just judging people. It's what I do. So we sit in the back of my, of my dad's uh, Explorer. He's driving back, and um, Chris looks at me, and Chris is like, yo, you know, like, you trying to smoke weed? And I was like... What? Oh shit, look at that. This is Rick. What? what is it called? Rick Rick Bridge. Don't, don't fuck with the sponsor. I don't even wanna to touch this. This is my dad already getting mad at me for some shit. He's, my bad dad, fuck, I'm sorry. Oh, my bad, he's in hell. Yo, my bad dad, nah, I'm playing. Listen, we are going to hell. You think you're getting to heaven? Fuck outta here, bro. You guys are laughing at half the shit. You guys are like, I'm smoking weed at 12. You think you're getting into fucking heaven? Get the fuck out of here. We are going to the same place. So whatever. We're in the back of the car. My buddy turns to me and tells me, like, yo, you, sh- you smoke weed? And I was like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> yes. I got, like, butterflies in my stomach. I was like, ah, I can't believe this is happening. So whatever. We, uh, my dad drops us all off. And my dad is like, oh, you know, you, are you going to sleep over at Jocelyn and Chris's house tonight? I was like, yeah, yeah, we're going to sleep over. We've been sleeping over for years. He knows their family. We grew up together. Whatever, we go. Uh, And uh, Chris, he he shows me. You know, this is the first time I've ever seen weed. Like I've heard about it. This shit was a myth. You know, like I didn't know what it really was. And like the minute he like opened it, he had like he had like a little aluminum foil that was like wrapped ten times over. It was more aluminum foil than weed. Like I kept waiting. Like oh, that shit gonna be nice. That shit all right you still unfolding shit okay that's (laughs) save that for a cake we can bake later motherfucker like what the (laughs) so he finally unravels the weed and i smelt it and the first time i smelt i swear to god i don't know i got like butterflies my dick shriveled a little bit my nut (laughs) like i knew i was not doing the right thing i knew i was not but i didn't care and i was like and he looked at me and he's like yo this is fire right this is the first time Anybody ever spoke about weed to me and I'm like fire. All right for the next 17 years of my fucking life I kept telling people like yo, I smoked fire. Oh, what bud did you had? Oh, you had pineapple express? I have fire. This is... <laughs> This is an exclusive Miami strain. It's called fire. I had no idea This shit was drug lingo. I was just like, yeah, we smoked that fire So whatever, you know, I'm nervous as shit. He pulls out, you know, the weed and uh he pulls out an apple. It was the first time I ever smoked weed. He he like cored an apple on two ends. And for those of you guys who don't know, you can make a pipe out of an apple. You ain't getting it, don't taste like apple, it tastes like fucking burnt weed. The same it tastes the same. So I'm like all jittery inside, and I'm like, oh my god, like I'm gonna do this, like I'm bad. <laughs> and my friends, like, I'm not look, these are my best friends, I love them, but like my parents, first of all, were, like, of our group of friends, my parents were the ones that stayed together the longest till I was 11 years old. Like, my, Jocelyn and Chris's parents, they got divorced when they were, like, six or seven. And then my buddy Carlos, his parents were, like, they, forget about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, they was not together. So, like, my my friend Jocelyn and Chris, their mom, it's not that she didn't care, but she had bigger fish to fry other than kids getting high in her house. So we knew that was the party house. That's where we going to have fun. And they lived in this, um, in this house that you, if you went outside and you went to the balcony and you climbed this, like, rinky-dink fence and you hold on to the wall, you could get to the roof. So that was the plan. The plan was, like, we're going to smoke weed on top of the roof of the house. Now, I know you have smoked weed on, on plenty of roofs. I could tell. You're an expert. You know, you don't even need a ladder at this point. You're like, just hand me by my feet. I can bring the rest of the troops up. Now, I'm 13 years old. I'm not, uh, and I'm, I'm a very soft 13-year-old. Like, let me just preface this. Like, me at 13, I was very obedient. I never ran away from home. I had B's, maybe a C. I was very fucking nerdy. All right, like my older brother who like made my mom think that weed was the devil. This guy was like doing tons of crazy shit. Like at 15 years old, this guy was during lunch break in high school. He was having what he called rumble, which was fight club. It was like these, we were just 15 year old kids and we like to beat the shit out of each other. And I was like, Jesus, no, at 15, I was playing volleyball. like in my lunch break in a circle of people like, give it to me. You know, like that's. So just to put that into perspective, all right? there's people that I know that didn't smoke weed till they were 18, and they're either locked up, dead, or they got like seven baby mamas with six children. I don't understand the math, but I'm just like, fuck it, I guess if that's what works for you. So people thought like, this kid's going to be a delinquent. Absolutely not. So whatever, we get to the top, and uh, like I said, I got an older brother who has been notoriously known to smoke weed. So I start talking shit for no reason, like for no reason at all. I'm like, I can smoke I'm Peppa's little brother. You know me? I'm Peppa's little brother. I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> but I just remember, like, you know, Chris got the apple, and he literally, I was i was such an, like, I mean, this is the first time I ever smoked. He's like, look, bro, all you're going to do is inhale. He held the apple, he lit the top, and he said, when I, when I say inhale, you inhale. I didn't know how hard to go. I was just like, pfft. <sighs> And, I, and he said, hold it, hold it, and I'm holding it, and I'm holding it, and bro, and the next thing you know, I just remember being on top of this roof, and just like, Ooh. and then feeling like I entered a dream, like the apple was still in front of me, and I was like, yo, what's that apple doing in front of my face right now, I'm like, hold up, oh Jesus Christ, I'm shaking too much. I was like yo hold up hold up did we did we smoke the apple he was like yeah and 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 like now it's starting to hit me like i feel like i'm in real life but i don't know i'm i'm just kind of like yo i'm peppa's little brother you know like i'm thug (laughs) i got no idea what's happening and then we're like whatever you know like we we're like let's go back down into the house so we go back downstairs and that rinky-dink fence Dog, it was. I don't know how I didn't fall over into the lake because it was a lake right behind the house. And we're walking in, and Chris grabs an apple and just chunks it into the lake. And all I heard was a bloop. And I'm like, Yo, what is that? What is that? We got my foot. Fu- it's my mom. Mind you, it's. I don't. This is something they always tell me. I don't remember saying this, but they were like, Bro, you were paranoid that your mom was gonna see you. My mom was in Houston at the time, motherfucker. I was on 107th and 20th, right, motherfucker here. We long ways away from Houston. And they kept telling me, like, bro, you kept getting scared about, like, yo, my mom's going to find out. My mom's going to find out. But before I got into all that, you know, we he throws the, the, the apple. I freak out. Ha, ha, ha. Let's go inside. Start brushing my teeth because I'm paranoid. somebody going to smell my weed breath. Who the fuck? Nobody's going to smell my weed breath. And I, I started brushing my teeth. And in this era, this was like, so this was 2007 summer of 2007 and uh, We were big into raving y'all ever a rave you blow your people up. Yeah, I know you rave for sure I know you look like you still got it. You know, your arms might get tired, but you blow somebody up You know what I'm saying? And this was when we were still like we used to like Party City They used to sell these things that you used to screw onto your uh, your bicycle wheel like where the air goes and it would like it would flash colors And, like, that's what we use as rave sticks. Like, we would just buy those little balls with no bike. There's no bike. There's no tire. We're putting this shit in. You know what I'm talking about? I I went into Party City one time, and I was like, yo, y'all got raving lights? He was like, what the fuck are you talking about, kid? Raving lights. And I described them to her. She's like, oh, yeah, this shit that goes on the back of a bike? Yes, we have those. And, like, that's what we were blowing each other up with. So whatever, like, yo, I'm 13 years old, we're listening to techno music, like, hard house techno, we got the lights off and the fucking music bumping, and they're blowing me up, and I'm just, like, on the couch, like, oh, my God, like, this shit's amazing, and then all of a sudden, I just hear, police, what? <laughs> Sir, this is the first time I've smoked weed? What do you mean, police, police? And I'm the only one, like of all three of our friends, I'm the only one who reacted. And I'm like, what? The police? I get up, I go to the bathroom, I start crying. I'm crying in the bathroom, bro. I'm 13 years old. I'm like, oh my God, mom, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to do it. I don't even like this. Like you I'm begging God, like, just make it end. Just make it end. <laughs> make it be done. And I'm crying and like people are knocking on the door. Yo, 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 it's Nick. It's Nick. It's another one of our friends who's a little bit older. And he clearly everybody else knew it was Nick besides me because <laughs> nobody panicked. It was just me. And they're like, yo, it's Nick. And I came out. I have tears in my eye. Till this day, I'm 27, bro. This shit happened like 14, 15 years ago. My friends still make fun of me to this day. And they're like, bro, you crying like a little bitch. It was fucking Nick. And I'm like, I come out the bathroom I'm like, yo, Nick, fuck you, man. You a piece of shit. Whatever. We keep partying. We keep going. And next, the next person didn't even knock. The next person opened the fucking door to the house. And that was his mom. That was Jocelyn and Chris's mom. And they had a scary-ass sister. Her name was Karina. Right? I swear to God, I'm not making none of this shit up. Karina was best friends with my older brother like I told you we all grew up in the same neighborhood and Karina was like Angelica from Rugrats but like on 10 she was trying to get us in trouble any way she could and bro I till this day I swear on my dead father I saw Karina behind Jocelyn and Chris's mom she was never there she never went And bro, when I saw the door open and I saw his mom and I thought I saw Karina, I booked it. I went to my boy's room, I kicked the door and I pretended I was asleep. I was like, I can't get in trouble if I pretend I'm asleep. (laughs) And then everybody, bro, hallucinating. I saw a lot of shit that night. I was so scared. So I'm by myself in this dark ass room. First time I'm ever high and I'm pretending I'm asleep. And, like, I opened my, like, my eyes, and, like, I see this, like, light coming in, and it cast a shadow, and my brain was like, it's a clown. And I was fucking, I swear to God, I was there, and I was like, oh, my God, there's a clown in this room. And I'm like, I'm high right now. Like, just, just calm yourself down. And then, like, eventually, like, she, like my, Jocelyn and Chris's mom, she never even doubt, like, she had no worries if we were smoking weed or not. She didn't give a fuck. We all went back to the room I was in, and they were all consoling me, and I'm like, just make it stop, just make it stop, I don't want it no more. So, the night ends. I'm 13 years old, I'm I'm alive, so then I do the next thing, and I'm like, yo, I'm going to tell my big cousin about this. My cousin's like, give or take, 18 years older than me, so he must have been like 30-something at the time and he living with my grandma. He's one of these cousins that he's like, bro. he's a drug addict, you know, he's doing like, bro. you 37, you still living with your your grandma, you got a problem, you know what I'm saying? So I tell him, we're like hanging out, it's summer vacation, and I'm like, oh, I'm comfortable with you, I'm gonna be real. I smoked weed, like I'm big. I smoked weed with my friends, Jocelyn, Christian, Carlos, we were all there, we smoked, that shit was crazy. He was like, yo, how was it? I was like, bro, it was crazy. I cried a little bit, but whatever. (laughs) Like, it don't matter. And he's, like, egging me on. He's, like, yo, that's dope. That's dope. Cool. Remember I told you I lived in Houston. Before I went to Miami on this trip, I was with my cousins. I got a bunch of cousins out in Houston. And we were young, dumb, and full of... I didn't have come yet, but we were young, dumb. And we, we shared a cigarette. We had one cigarette. It was four of us. We all <laughs> passed that shit around. One of my cousins is a little bitch. And he, like, oh, I can't lie to you, Dad. Smoked a cigarette with my cousins. So then, like, everyone found out. My mom told my dad. My mom really didn't care. So whatever. We fast forward. I'm in Miami now. We smoked weed already. I told my cousin. My dad catches me uh, watching TV at night. And he casually just comes. Like, hindsight being 2020, I should have seen this shit coming. But I was so young and naive. I was like, oh, what's up? My dad's going to sit down and watch TV with me. This is great. So my dad starts, you know, how's everything, yada, yada, yada. And he's like, yo, I heard you smoked. And I was like, oh, yeah, like the cigarette. He's like, no, you smoke with Jocelyn and Christian. I was like, nah, nah. I ain't smoke with them. I smoke with Max, Chris, and Alex, my cousins from Houston. Remember that? Mom called you. She told you I smoked a cigarette. He was like, nah, 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 nah. Your cousin, Hesu's never trust a motherfucking name Jesus, first of all. <laughs> I swear to God, my cousin's name is Jesus. He's like, (laughs) fuck you. You remind me of him, every man. Fuck you, John. (laughs) And he tells me, you know, Jesus told me that, you know, you you smoked weed with Jocelyn and Chris. And I was like, I was like, nah, he's a liar. I was like, yo, he's a liar. Like, he's lying. And my dad was like, oh, he's making it up. I was like, bro, 100%. He's making that shit up. I ain't never smoked in my life, man. And um, so whatever. My dad was like, all right, cool. I already knew my cousin was fucked up in the head, so I was like, they probably gonna believe me anyways. Like, it doesn't matter. And the next day, I'm, like, walking around with my dad's phone because I didn't have a cell phone at the time. And I see a call that says, Jesus. So I answer it. Like, I have no... uh, Like, last time I spoke to him, I'm, like, gloating about smoking weed. And then he answers, and he's like, Yo, your dad's telling me that you're saying that I lied? You telling them I'm a liar? I'm like 13, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck's going on, man. (laughs) Fuck you, me. And he's like, you telling them them that I lied? That you, 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 you I'm making it up that you smoked weed? He was like, man, fuck that. Next time you come into my grandma's house, which is like in another day, he was like, I'm gonna drug test you as soon as you walk in. And I was like, oh, my drug test? I ain't even heard these words in my life. I was like, what the fuck? You gonna drug test me? And I was like, and he's like, so you better tell the fucking truth, if not, you know, and I swear to God, I'm 13, I'm panicking. I'm like, what the fuck do I do? Like, it was a flip phone, so I slammed it. I was like, "I, I don't wanna hear this shit anymore. And I panicked, bro. I'm like, fuck, what do I do? I'm outside my dad's, like, apartments. And I was like, fuck it. I start crying, and I run into my dad's house with my stepmom. And I'm like, yo, dad, I smoked weed. I didn't even like that shit. I did. But I didn't let him know. I was like, I didn't even like that shit. That shit was scary, whatever. And my dad, like, sees how panicked I am. Because mind you, like, I grew up my whole life, the devil was weed. So I'm like, bro, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't mean to do it. And my dad saw the panic, and he's like, chill, chill, like, talk to me, talk to me. Like, my dad was never a person who yelled. He was always like, you know, explain yourself. So I started telling him, and and I'm like, yeah, 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 like, you know, Jocelyn, Chris, and Carlos were there, but they weren't there with me when I smoked. I was there. And and he's like, what do you mean? I was like, we went, I made up somebody else. I made up a character. I was like, we were at Michael's house. And like... (laughs) And, and, and he's like, Michael, I'm like, yeah, he lived like two blocks down and we were at Michael's house. And then Jocelyn's mom called them over and I said, I'm not going to go like I'm going to chill here with Michael. I'm hanging out with Michael. So when Jocelyn, Chris and Carlos all went back home, I stayed back with Michael and I smoked weed. And and he was like, oh, and I was like, yeah, they had nothing to do with it. It was me. I'm sorry. I smoked. And he was like, bro, you good. Like, don't worry about it. And he was like, very cool about it. Then like three days went by. And like he, he's driving with me uh, down the Palm Palmetto right by the airport. And I had just, like, I swear to God, like he had just picked me up 30 minutes ago from the same house. And I had smoked. And I didn't know... <laughs> I thought this shit was like alcohol, that it was like a hangover or something. So in my head, I'm like, man, am I still high? I smoked yesterday, but like, he he just picked me up. Like, I don't know. So we're driving, and like, all of a sudden, he just breaks silence. And my dad turns to me, and my dad's like, yo, I know you didn't smoke by yourself. I know Jocelyn, Chris, and Carlos were there. And I was like, and he's like, but... The only reason you're not getting in trouble is because you took the hit for them and you was willing to go down by yourself. And you didn't take nobody in. You didn't rat on none of your friends. And he goes, the only fucking reason you're not in trouble is because you're a man and you kept your mouth shut. And I'm not going to call their parents and I'm not going to tell them nothing else. This stays between me and you. And I was like, absolutely, sir. And I'm not gonna lie, that's my story, but the whole moral of the story is loyalty. Be a man, own up to your shit, be real, don't drag nobody else under this shit. And I didn't even know that at that time, I'm 13 years old, I had no idea my dad was slinging coke in the 80s. My dad was wanted by the DEA. I didn't didn't know none of that. So at that time, Looking back on it now as an adult, I look at it and I feel like that was like the time, oh, I get emotional. Ooh, my my dad was like, you know, my best friend. And I feel like that was the moment my dad was like, all right, like, I I raised a good kid. You know, like, I made him proud. He was like, I should fuck you up, but you ain't no goddamn rat, so I respect you for that. So that's my story about the first time I smoked weed. Stay true to your friends, guys. And keep it going for Uncle Scotchy, goddammit, for this great storytelling extravaganza. Get it for Seabass, ladies and gentlemen.
0: If you don't like that, that's a fucking you problem. You should probably not be here, ladies and gentlemen. Way to close, close the show in an awesome way. Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining every Sophia, she took off, but... Um, Tonight was like really cool, tonight was really cool. And I I thank you all for being here. My new friends, my old friends for being here. So um, thanks for hanging out for this. And uh, Sea Bass, that was badass, dude. Hope to see you guys again. Um, (laughs) Come back. Come back. And uh, if you know some people that want to tell a story, and if you want to tell a story, if you don't think you want to tell a story, come up and work on telling the story. And uh, check out the bullet chart, man. Um, it could change your life telling this shit. So thank you so much. Thanks for all my friends for being here, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for Bar Nancy for being here. I'm a little drunk. Um hat, grab a sticker. I'll see you guys every Wednesday for the rest of your life. Thank you. Thanks for giving it up, Julio. Give it up, Julio, for recording every the podcast. Thank you.